Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant at Boldside. And if you have culture problems within your team that you want to solve, or maybe you've been talking to your boss about how do we get the team together, develop an epic culture, I want you to DM me on LinkedIn. We need to chat about how we can work together. All right, let's get into today's show. I'm joined by my good friend, John Pigeon, the host of My Millennial Property. And he is going to talk about his career change, finding his purpose and and, and, and starting his business. Let's get into it. Johnny, how are you? Shelley, outstanding. <laughs> We've been podcasting all day today, but do you know what? We have. We've wanted to do this podcast for ages because you've had a really interesting career journey that I, I think a lot of our listeners will relate to where you've made a big career change early on and then you started your business. I want to dig into that story. For anyone who's listening who might be thinking or considering a career change but they don't know the right move to make, mm. talk to me about your own career story. Where did you start out? Yeah, so let's go way back, Shell. Um, I suppose during high school, I, I was disillusioned with where I was going. I, di I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left school and the, the old careers teacher sat me down and said, what do you want to do? What's your interests? And uh, it was really sport and health and fitness in general. So that was back then, It was uh, there was a degree in sports science and human movement. Now, uh, unfortunately, one didn't work hard enough to get the marks to get into that. <laughs> one being you. <laughs> one being me. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll do teaching. I like uh, helping people. I'm, I'm passionate about sport and hopefully phys ed teaching will be my thing. Um, so yeah, fast forward, went away to uni and started my career as a phys ed teacher in a primary school which I thoroughly enjoyed, like loved helping the kids, loved uh, being around them, loved uh, every aspect of that. Um, but I suppose three to four years into that, I got to the stage where I thought to myself, is this it? And in teaching, and there's many teachers that reach out to me asking questions of my journey and what made me change and whatever else, but my feeling was I walked into the staff room I see 55, 60-year-old people that are unhappy and uh, that's not, the, I suppose, the majority, but a lot of them are really disgruntled with the system and, and, and teaching in general because it is getting harder. But also the salary limitations associated with that as well. You basically, the, in the 10 years, you've capped out your, your uh, salary earning potential unless you want to go to higher duties like assistant principal or principal. So I thought three, four years in that that was pretty much it for me. Uh, what did I need to do to change that? Or was I just happy just going through the motions for the next 30 or 40 years? You said something really interesting in that question you asked yourself 
is this it? Mm. For a lot of our listeners, they'll have that experience or they'll relate to that feeling of being in a career. And the, the really tough thing is when you've studied for, you know, a few years, four years, and then you've then worked in that for three or four years, it's the whole sunk costs. Like you've invested time, money, energy into building a career and then you get into it and you get a few years in and you're like, oh, is this it? I think that's a really tough spot to be in. If if anyone's listening, they're relating to that right now, whatever career path you're on and you're thinking, oh, I feel like that's me. What did you do? Once you started seeing and you look around and you go, okay, there's a capped income earning potential. People here don't seem to be that happy. Mm. And... I'm not sure that this is right for me. What did you do? Yeah, so I did a number of things, Shell, and, and coming back to what am I passionate about at that age, and I think, what was I, uh, 20, 25, I suppose, at the time, um, I saw these tabloid sports companies coming into the school and charging X amount. I, I definitely had some entrepreneurism in my sort of blood, I think, at that stage. So I looked at them saying, okay, they're charging this amount and uh, they're providing three hours of service to the kids and then off they go with their trailer. thought, okay, I'm going to try that on school holidays just locally, um, hire out of ground and do the same thing. So I did a little bit of that to sort of see whether that was for me. And and I think you would agree, Shell, when you start looking for something, things start to appear. And for me, uh, I got I remember getting a, a letter addressed to the phys ed teacher at the school that was to um, look at a franchise opportunity for personal training. And this was group outdoor personal training, which was really, I suppose, cutting edge and new at the time. There wasn't a lot of it done um, back then. It was just really gyms and one-on-one personal training, but not the outdoor group personal training. So I inquired further about that and um, realised that I, I was in Horsham at the time and I couldn't start one up there because there just wasn't um, the, the population. So... The further I got into it, the further I became passionate about wanting to start this business. So I actually said, right, I'm going to take 12 months leave without pay and I'm going to move to Adelaide. I knew one of my good mates was over there playing AFL footy. I'm going to live with him and I'm going to set up this business over in, over in Adelaide. So um, September 2003, that's when I, I took off to Adelaide and started the business. Did you resign or did you just take a 12-month break from your teaching? Yeah, so I like to think that you, you shouldn't back yourself into a corner. I could have gone cold turkey, but I did take 12 months leave without pay in the event that nothing worked out and I'll, uh, I'll come back to teaching with my, uh, with my tail wagging. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there was that 12 months that I had to make this thing work. Okay, cool. There's a lot there that I really like because when people talk to me and ask me, oh, how should I make a big career change? So I was talking to someone the other day, they messaged me on LinkedIn and they're like, I'm a nurse. I'm struggling with the shift work. What should I do? I think I want to make a change, but I don't know what. I love in your story, John, that you started to see opportunities in areas that you're already interested in. So you're already doing physical education teaching Mm. and then the opportunity for PT running a business comes up and you start going, okay, well, let me kind of test this out, but lower some of my risks. And the way you lowered your risk is by taking leave without pay Mm. for 12 months. And I think when we start looking at this idea of a career change, 
we really need to test certain things. So it's what I would call like a job preview. Yeah. You know, when you go to the movies and you watch the trailers, yes. you get a preview yeah. of what it's like. So I think you're not backing yourself into a corner. You test that out and you're also hitting into, I've got this entrepreneurial drive. Like you could see that in yourself. You knew that was something you were interested in and it was giving you a kind of safe-ish like it's never totally safe, right? Uh, but it's giving you a, an opportunity to do that with still having a fallback of being able to go back to teaching. Yeah, that's right. And I think the passion of doing something I love was always critical and top of mind and still is today. Um, but also it was very much against the grain because my mum, when I went away to university, I was the first to go to university out of our family and she thought that was it in the bit, like you're a teacher, well done, that's great, you'll do that for the next 40 years, 30 years. So when I told her I was moving to Adelaide to start up a personal training business and quit teaching, she's like, why would you ever think of doing that? Like, uh, So there was a lot of objections to that. So I suppose for anyone listening, it's like, well, you've got to do what you need to do to live your passion and not look back with regrets. And, and as you said, in 12 months' time, if it didn't work out, I go back to what I was doing anyway. So there's no real, I suppose, disadvantage to that. I've tried, it didn't work, and here I am back to, to teaching again. It kind of speaks to you almost forecasted when you go into that staff room at lunch and you see those people who are nearing retirement who you're, you're thinking, gee, they seem pretty miserable in their <laughs> career choices. You're like, I don't want to be in that spot. So I'm going to give this a go. And yeah, the risk of failure is there for sure. Mm. But the upside is massive if you take the chance. And I think that's the thing that we have to remind ourselves because when we're making career changes, often we really focus on what could go wrong. Mm. But there's the other side of the coin of, well, what could go right? And actually what could go wrong if I overstay in a career that I don't like. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, and you, I, you just don't want to have regrets, I suppose, and know that you've, you've uh, got out there and, and explored different things. But for me, the financial projections with franchising always sounds great. Um, so that definitely was a driver, along with the fact that I was following a passion uh, um, in an industry that I was, that I was definitely passionate about. So that was an, a massive driver. I knew I had work ethic. It was just about finding the tool to do that. And a franchise system gave me that because it taught me how to run a business when I came in with no business experience at all. So the percentage of failure was lessened because of that. So tell us about you get to Adelaide, you start the business, what happened? Yeah. And, and it's almost like press fast forward and the same thing happened like eight years later. Um, I'd built a franchise. I'd sold that. I started up a master franchise so uh, to sell the rights to individual franchises within the state and then built that up to, I think, 18 or 20 franchises and then sold that. Um, and that at that stage, I'd met Amy. We were married and had one with a second on the way. And we decided that we'd move back to her home on the central coast. Didn't know what we were going to do. But again, personal training and health and fitness, we were probably burnt out from because Amy was in the same industry. So the next step was, well, what else am I passionate about? What else have I been passionate about for the last 15 years? It was property. 
So that's uh, that was that next phase of um, of the journey. It's really interesting. You had, you know, probably seven ish years teaching, if you include your study. Yep. And then you go into personal training another eight years, mm. running your own business, developing the business, building it, selling it, exiting the business. And if I think about the themes, and one of the things that I, is really important for people, think about the themes of where your strengths are. Because if I think about you, John, and we know each other fairly well, we've been doing these podcasts for a while. One of your strengths is coaching mm. and training people. And if you look over your career theme, so it might be in different zones. So yeah. primary teaching compared to fitness, compared to property, the theme I see of your strength is communication and coaching, like helping people through difficult decisions to build their learning, to make really smart decisions for their health, lifestyle. And that's been a theme over your career. Like how long have you been working now? Uh, working in <laughs> since I was 18. <laughs> yeah, like what? How long is that? Like six years? <laughs> yeah, I'm just about to turn 30. So, yeah, no, let's call it, yeah, coming up. 28 years. Yeah. Mm. So does that resonate though about that idea of those strengths as well, like finding the strengths, even though you're working in different industries and fields? Yeah. Look, many people say that to me, including my wife, um, just two nights ago. We were having a conversation about, I suppose, the next 10 years and everything else. But for me, it was just logical. Like I look at what I'm enjoying and what I'm not enjoying and what am I passionate about and where can I find an industry or a tool or, or, or some area that's going to give me that? And when I'm sick of it, then I'll leave it. Um, and I think it's, it's easy for me to say that, but that's literally, I suppose what you're doing is, is putting destiny in your own hands and not leaving it to chance. And if I fail, it's on me. So I think, and if you've got work ethic to uh, add to that, the chances of, of getting what you want are strengthened. Totally. I like that idea as well of not relying on chance or luck and not like kind of wishful thinking. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, Shil, who's spoken on this podcast, and he said he doesn't really like the idea of like hoping that something happens in your career, but it's all about that drive. Like, are you willing to work for that thing? Yeah. And I think that is such an underrated skill. Like often we put a lot of emphasis on your natural abilities and how smart you are or intelligent you are and underrate the idea of, are you actually going to do the work? Yeah. I know there's challenge in that. And I know that was that hilarious Kim Kardashian thing where she's like, yeah, people don't work hard anymore. And we're like, thank you so much for that. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you have no idea. But you then moved into, essentially you had another career change. So you've had mm. three career changes which is what McCrindle, the research business, is forecasting for people who are millennial and Gen Z will have between three and five career changes. Mm -hmm. Tell us about starting your property business. Mm. Yeah, they're almost been seven-year riches, haven't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you look back, I never actually thought of that. But for me, they're different careers, but they are very similar. And I say that, be, and you mentioned before about the, the coaching and the educating and the communicating and all that you're doing that, but just in a different field. And, and to me, doing that with property seems so organic and natural because for me, the previous 15 odd years of my own property investing, 
I'd been learning the tools of the trade and knowing what to look out for and, and making mistakes and, and having some good results and some bad results and all of that to the point where someone knocks on the door and says, oh, can you teach me how to do what you did in property? I'm like, yeah, okay, I can because I've written it all down and I've, I've ridden the bumps of, of a property investor and I've got the tools to communicate on how to teach that because I've been in education. So it, again, the stars aligned. Now, there was a company at the time that um, needed a role filled in Newcastle, hour up the road from us. So I took on that role for three years or so before saying, yeah, look, I, I think I'm ready to create my own brand and, and own systems and tools and processes. So that's, that's where we are today. So you came up, you worked for someone in Newcastle in property and then started your own business. What were the risks financially for you? Because for, I know there's a, we've had a lot of questions from listeners around, I think maybe I want to try my side hustle and eventually start my own business. But for a lot of people, they're thinking about how do I give up a job, a mm. salary without all the stress of having to generate my own income to eventually take the plunge with starting my own business? What are some of the financial considerations that you think people need to, I guess, be aware of? Or what was that for you? Yeah. And, and again, chatting the other night with, with Amy, we moved back to the Central Coast. We sold a business. So we did have some cash. Um, we had a property portfolio, but we both had no jobs and we had a second one on the way. So from the outside in, some would say, well, hell, were you stressed? And like, well, no. We just, there was a, just a time in our life where we just needed to cut back on some things. And we moved in uh, with Amy's mum at the time, right, which must have been delightful for her with, uh, with <laughs> her daughter and, uh, and, and two grandkids as well. But that gave us the time to really trim down on, on the running costs of our life, um, which we needed to do until the the income started to build back up again. And, and I think that's the crucial part is, is understanding that what's coming in versus what's coming out. And again, back to logic, well, if nothing's coming in at that point in time, you don't want to just blow what we'd built over the last 10 years in, in selling the business just because we still want to live the life that we were living previously. So th- there's some give and take and some sacrifices around that till we build that back up again. That's a good point about the trade-offs. And I think for anyone who's considering this idea of eventually they want to start their own business or if they're listening, they relate to your story that you had this entrepreneurial drive and you're like, I think I want to do this one day. Is there anything you'd say to those people right now if they feel that drive towards eventually starting their business? What what recommendations would you have or what advice would you have for them? I think I'd, first of all, I'd like to say that not everyone has it. Like I've got good friends that I went through university with that are still teachers today and love it and, and just don't have that entrepreneurial drive and they'll continue to do that until they're 55, 60. Whether that's teaching or not doesn't matter. But I think if you haven't got the drive, not everyone has to be a business owner to be successful. But if you've got that eating away at you where you'd like to take that on and you have that sort of mindset, then you, you can't live with regrets. You've, you've got to go and do that and scratch that itch. But you need to think of, I suppose, the worst case scenarios. So where's our backup plan if nothing goes the way I thought it would. Um, and you've got to be prepared to work hours that most people won't. And uh, I think if you can do those two things, 
for me, the backup plan was, well, I took 12 months leave without pay. I go back to being a teacher that I was 12 months prior, but I'm prepared to go and work. Well, in the first few years, conservatively 60 to 70 hours a week to make sure I was almost running away from something that I didn't want. So I was running away from the fact that I didn't want to go back to teaching. So Mm. I'm going to make this thing work. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with, because for me, I'm nearly a year into running my business and that startup phase is hectic. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's so yeah. hectic and it, and you are, you're working crazy hours. But there's the, there's the fun part of it as well because you have full creative control, you have autonomy, you're like building something. There's something really cool about that yeah. part of the journey. What do you do to manage your own fatigue and exhaustion? Because I know this idea of health is so important to you as well. Like how do you balance going hard at something and really, really working on it but not burning out? Yeah. You've got to stay fit, don't you? And, and <laughs> <laughs> We're was... laughing because, okay, let me tell you what we talked about this morning when I saw John. He's like, oh, I did like a 55K run. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me, like I ran like 1.6Ks the other day and was like, I could not walk the next day. I'm like, I just, yeah. exercise is not for me. Anyway, that's an aside. Yeah, well, and, and I say that flippantly, but mental stress wears you down a lot more than physical stress. So when I'm stressed or I've got a headache or something's not going right, I'll go for a run, which some people would think that's counterintuitive, but it actually fixes the mental stress that's going on in my life at the time. And, and I think the the number one thing that I've always had is, not extreme fitness, but consistent fitness, right? Some 80-20 rule with eating, but definitely training constantly. And and doesn't have to be running. You've just got to find what your uh, go-to is for, for exercise. And it gives you the amount of energy that you, you never thought was possible. And the more you push the body, the more it responds. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> No, I trust your judgment. And I ha- look, I've got to say, and long-term listeners will know how much I'm like, oh, exercise is such a, like, but I have started walking and I'm getting today a Pilates reformer to have at home because I do feel in starting your own business, the ang- the anxiety that it brings with it yes. because it's all on you. Mm. And there's there's it's liberating but terrifying. Yeah. It's like a paradox because you're, you have this thing of I'm building something, but if it fails, it's all on me. And I think that weight is pretty heavy. Yeah. Like, have you found that? Over yeah, your- you, you can't too, you can't think about it too hard, can you? Otherwise, it, it gives you an <laughs> aneurysm. But when, <laughs> you don't know when your next paycheck's coming. That's exciting, but scary at the same time. Do you find that exciting? <laughs> well, you've got to you've got to change your mindset to make it exciting, don't you? Ah, oh, tell me more about that. That's in the next episode, I think. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. And after the break, I'm going to come back with one more big question for you about these career changes. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from or you can listen on the audiobook, sort your career out and make more money. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, 
I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, exercise, health, all that stuff's really important. Wherever you're at in your career, take your word. I'll take your word <laughs> for it. I want to ask you, because you, you, you've had these seven-year kind of big career changes and you mentioned this week you're talking with Amy about the next 10 years mm. talk to me about what what do you do to like forecast or preempt okay what's coming next what's my next move yeah well scarily enough scarily yeah scarily is a word scarily enough uh in 10 years time our youngest will be 19 wow so that's us done in terms of uh, schooling wow right? uh which is quite exciting from a parent point of view because it means, well, okay, we actually don't need to live where our kids are living and we can be holidaying and travelling and doing whatever we want to do. Um, so it, it opens up the conversation of, well, how do we want to structure our working week? And uh, without going into detail, like um, Amy's at that transition point right now where it's like, well, what do I want to do for the next 10 years that I'm going to enjoy to the level that you're enjoying it, right? Because um, he's almost like jealous, um, mm. which is sort of a weird feeling. But so it's that conversation around, well, what is the passion? But factoring in that we've also got kids that we need to obviously look after and, and nurture. So there needs to be time spent on that as well. And it's that balance of, well, what is the next 10 years for all of us? Um, so I think for, for me personally, it's continuing to do what I'm doing in this space and building on that. Absolutely. So there's no, there's no burnout. There's no, do I have to go and work today? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? Like I absolutely enjoy every part of my job or business, which I'm very grateful for at the minute. Mm. If anyone's right now listening and they're thinking, let's rewind back to when you were in the staff room and they're thinking, is this it? Mm. Is this it? Is this all there is? Have I made a terrible mistake? Yeah. What would your advice to th that person listening today be? Yeah, so I want to say that going to uni and becoming a teacher was actually the best mistake of my life because what it did was, first of all, it got me out of my comfort zone from living at home, maybe living my own two hours away. Uh, it gave me the skills to be able to coach and educate, so forever grateful for those skills. I actually had a guy come and work or observe for a day yesterday in my office. He's from Newcastle. He's 26 as a teacher. And I said, mate, you're in the exact same position I was when I was 26. 
Um, he's not enjoying his teaching. He's actually a phys ed teacher. It was all, almost identical. That would have been weird. Yeah, it was. And he's got the same passion in his eyes for property that I had. So I would say take the leap of faith. And, and if you're not a teacher, then you can still apply it to your industry. But you're generally in an industry where you're going to come back and get some work because you're a skilled worker in Australia and, and there's plenty of jobs available, generally speaking. If you want a job, you can go and get a job. So you can always go back to what you're already doing now. But if you're not enjoying what you're doing now and it's been a genuine concern for some time, not just I've had a bad day or a bad week, then you need to do something about it because you're going to wake up at 46 with deep regret. Mm. I, I think that's a really good point. It needs to be for some time. Like we all have, like you might have a bad month. Like I remember when I went through burnout in my HR role, I was leading a HR team fully burnt out, had to take three months off work. Um, like I could not physically go back to work for that whole time. It was a really difficult process. What I learned through that is that wasn't a thing that I needed a career change. That was that I hadn't managed my health mm. and I was in a job that was pretty overwhelming and there wasn't stuff set up well enough. And so that wasn't a thing of, okay, I need to get out of this career. That was I need to change some stuff. Yeah. I think we need to differentiate when is it uh, this is not the right career for me versus this is another problem and we need to understand and diagnose, just like a doctor diagnoses what's the health concern here, we need to diagnose that problem and, and spend time, give yourself time to do that. Like don't just have a knee-jerk reaction to, gee, it's been a month, I'm really not enjoying it anymore, I'm out. And I know most, most of our listeners don't do that. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. But give yourself the space, talk to a mentor, find someone in your world. And the other thing I want you to do is because I think this is what you've done, John, so well. You've consistently had jobs that align with your strengths of coaching, of developing people, of teaching, training. Find out what your strengths are because when we work in our strengths, that's when we're most engaged. That's when we're most energised. Buy our book, sort your career out and make more money because we do an exercise in the book about how to figure out your strengths because it's not something that most – I don't think most people really know off the top of their head – what they're good at. Mm. Like, would you? Yeah, I think it's got to come from feedback, doesn't it? Either positive or negative or constructive. You, you soon get told if you crap at something. <laughs> well, yeah. growing up in the country, that was definitely the case for us anyway. We, we got told how it was. So I think you can learn a bit from that and just asking people, what do you think I'm good at or not good at? Totally. I think there's so much value in doing that process of figuring out what do you, what do you energize by? What are you good at? What do you love doing? And then look at your own career and assess how regularly do I actually get to do that thing? Mm. Like, am I actually getting to do the stuff that I enjoy yeah. or is this job just a hard slog day in, day out and I'm not energized and I'm not performing to the, to the level that I feel like I could be. And those are kind of the warning signs that maybe you need to consider a change. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like you don't want on your resume 15 different jobs just purely because you got sick of that job this week. You, you've got to have some resilience about you, don't you? So it's got to, it's got to be a fine balance. And you, if you ask someone, or oh, what would you rather do? Oh, I'd rather play golf. But if you crap, crap at golf, you can't become a golf coach, right? So yeah. <laughs> you can't just play golf for a living. Yeah, totally. Well, that's right. You And 
we in in the book, and I know you. I think you and I have talked about this. I know Glenn and I have. In the book, we talk about. I know you've you've mentioned following your passions. I would actually say that what you've done is follow your strengths mm-hmm. because I'm passionate about fine dining. Yes. Like I honestly, I cannot tell you how much I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, I feel like you already think I'm a bit of a diva, but here we go. Like if I could fine dine like once a week, yeah. if I could afford it, which I can't, but like let's say that I could one day, I would, I, that's just, I'm obsessed. Does that mean I should be a chef? Mm. Absolutely not. I would be a terrible mm. chef. I would not cope with the stress of hospitality. So Follow your strengths, figure out what they are, make that your priority before you make a career change. Because mm. I love your story and I reckon you, your next career move, whatever that looks like, whatever your next business move or business venture is, there'll still be those elements of your strengths themes throughout. You enjoy your strengths more because you're good at them. 100%. So the enjoyment comes from being strong at something. It's hand in glove, isn't it? Totally. There's an amazing, amazing research by Gallup who talk about how when you're working in your strength zone, you're higher performing, you're way more engaged and you're happier at work. I think that's where when people are underperforming, so when I see people go on a, let's say, performance improvement plan or they get written warnings, any kind of performance management process, that's less about them not caring. Mm. Most times people really, really want to do a good job. And it's more about the fact that they're working in a role that doesn't align with their strengths. Right. So what we need to do is if you're in a spot where you feel like, mm, this is really, really feeling like I'm up against a brick wall. I'm not, I, I don't get into a state of flow. Mm. That's when I would say, start figuring out your strengths, go and have a deep reflective process to do that by the book lol <laughs> yeah get on the book get a reformer get a <laughs> well I'll let you know how that goes i'm getting it this afternoon please do anyway hey john bloody pleasure talking to you <laughs> it was a pleasure i'm was... sorry you've had to talk to me all day <laughs> <laughs> no i could do it all day tomorrow as well shell if it wasn't saturday See you there. Yeah. <laughs> all right hey well thanks so much for hanging out and by the way go and listen to the property podcast john runs that with Emily and John does clarity calls. If you need to buy a property or you want to get into investing, go and chat with John. Book a clarity call. We'll have it in the show notes. I've talked to John about a bazillion times about my property, you know, questions. <laughs> so Love do the same. It. Love it. Thanks, awesome. Cheryl. Thanks heaps for hanging out. We'll chat soon. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, and our Spotify exclusive show, My Millennial Daily. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.